This is another special episode in our Build 2019 series. This is episode 221, and we sat down with Olia Gavrish and Daniel Jacobson to talk about .NET tools for Windows developers. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. Now we're talking with Olia Gavrish, Program Manager on the .NET team, focusing on Windows Forms and porting to .NET Core, and Daniel Jacobson, PM on the Visual Studio team, focusing on tools for Windows developers. How's it going? It's going well. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's the last day of build. Uh, it's the last day of you know, build. How much of the build event have you guys had a chance to you know check out and be a part of? Uh, quite a bit. So I've had uh, the fortune of contributing to one of the keynote demos, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a breakout session. Which uh, keynote demo? Uh, so the Visual Studio productivity demo um, okay. that Scott Hanselman and Amanda Silver did okay. during Scott Guthrie's keynote. Okay. So I was backstage uh, helping out with that. And then uh, lots, of, uh, lots of exploring the expo, working at the booths, mm-hmm. talking to people. Mm-hmm. As for me, that was mostly expo and the breakout session on desktop applications okay yeah. and you spoke at a session too yes we did same. the session, oh, the same same session. session okay okay yeah very cool and it's, it's actually kind of interesting because you're on <clears throat> essentially different teams right yes but you right. know they they obviously you know that that always fascinates me how like how things work in these in these big companies how yeah. things are how things are related and uh so you're both on different teams but you obviously have to do like this cross work all the time yeah. right yeah <laughs> so Every time I've talked to Build, I've talked with someone on a different team. I'm kind of at like the intersection yeah. of Windows, <laughs> .NET, and yeah. Visual Studio. Right. Um, so I've talked with someone from Windows Product Marketing Management. I've talked with a PM from Windows and now a PM from .NET. So Okay. Yeah. So basically, what, what were some of the new things that, that were announced here at Build? I don't know who wants to go first. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I think the big one for, for .NET developers is .NET 5, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where we're finally trying to converge to a singular .NET technology, yep. reduce some of the, the jargon overload that, that comes with being a .NET developer, um, and just kind of streamline the experience for all .NET developers. So that, that in is the fusion of .NET full framework, mm-hmm. .NET core, and then as well as mono. Correct. Right. So that, that I think is interesting That's because that, that one started outside of Microsoft. And even though it kind of came in with an acquisition, there's still a lot of openness about that. So being able to, to merge those three of them, that's pretty disparate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one question I got at the expo is why is it five? Why it's not four? Because <laughs> <laughs> people keep thinking yeah. .NET Core three, then .NET Core four, but it's .NET. Yeah. 5. I didn't, I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't know the answer to that one, but yeah, you're right. There's .NET <laughs> yeah. framework four. Yes. So five yeah. is the first like non-used yes. number. Correct. Exactly. That's and then it, eventually are we going to skip nine? <laughs> no, I won't go there. So yeah, I think, I think, you know, I've been talking to like partners and customers. They're excited about this. And I think the, the people that made a bet on .NET Core just like, well, this is great because there was all this confusion. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the questions I do have then, because there was, when we started talking about .NET Core, it was like, to your point, there was a whole bunch of jargon jargon about like, um, there was uh, .NET Core and then there was .NET Standard. And it's like, oh, it's this interface so that these things are compatible. So does that go away too? .NET Standard won't go away. Um, okay. But, but, but do we need to talk about it anymore then? 
I, yeah, I think that okay. standard is still valuable. It's it's um, it's the way developers can share code in the .NET ecosystem, and and really, I think .NET standard as a technology helps with um, the maturity of the .NET core ecosystem and just being able to share components between framework and core. Um, and that's going to continue with with .NET five. Um, but I think there's there's more to it than just .NET standard, .NET core. There's also .NET framework, .NET native, all these different things. Um, <laughs> okay. And so we're hopefully going to like simplify things with with just .NET five and .NET standard. So, okay. Just to clarify, .NET standard is a minimal set of APIs that is supported by any other .NET platform, right? So if your library is targeting .NET standard, you have compatibility with anything .NET. So how many other third-party .NETs are there out there? Is that something that you guys track? Uh, I'm only aware of mono. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm wondering, you know, once because once once all three of those things are the are the same thing, like I understand that they have a common interface, but it is just one thing at that point. So yeah. so help help me understand that because I, you know, you, both yes. of you are way deeper in this yeah. than I am. So I, I totally apologize. So from like a version standpoint too, yeah. like uh, as .NET as a platform evolves over time, there will be new APIs introduced and things mm-hmm. like that. And .NET standard will still kind of be the the base thing. Um, okay. That will allow you to share. And then on top of .NET, there are different platforms, right? So you still have like an iOS application with Xamarin or an oh, Android application yeah. with Xamarin, or you're building a Windows desktop application or mm. and, and, and. And so all of those different platforms are going to have a different level of API surface. And .NET Standard is really, okay, I can build a library targeting this version of .NET Standard, oh. and that's going to run on all of those So it's devices. the common denominator. Yes, it's the common all, denominator. All of those things. Okay, so that whenever I want to like... Maybe this isn't in .NET standard, but if I want to like start a timer or something, then I have one. That's probably maybe that's a terrible example. There's probably some sort of <laughs> delay APIs, okay. but yeah, okay. yeah some yeah. of the, some of the, the fundamental foundational APIs that you would expect in any platform is going to be part of .NET standard. And so the ability to share business logic between a let's say a Blazor browser application and a .NET desktop application and a Xamarin iOS and Android application, yeah. all of those things you can share um, common code and infrastructure, which is really perfect. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back at .NET Core specifically, you know, dot, I, I like to look at them as having themes. So the theme of .NET Core 1 was to reintroduce a lightweight API that was uh, available across multiple platforms. Right. And then the theme of .NET Core 2 is to, like, .NET Core 1 was minimal to really flesh it out, to bring it more up to speed, the full framework. And today we're here to talk to you guys about .NET Core 3. So what's the theme of .NET Core 3? I would say for .NET Core 3, it's bringing desktop stack to .NET Core. So with the new version, you can develop Windows Forms, WPF, desktop applications targeting .NET Core 3. That's probably the biggest thing with the... It's the biggest new platform yeah. support. Um, but I, you're talking to a biased set of programmers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're expecting that. So just looking, you know, a lot of people are excited about .NET Core because they a lot of the APIs are more efficient than the equivalent ones on full framework. Right. But let's just say, you know, I have, you know, a WinForms API that's hitting like a local SQL database. You know, can I just kind of change a few things in my project structure and it, things just work? Or is there going to be, you know, a bunch of things that I have to do as a developer to, you know, make make a change from the old full framework to .NET Core 3? Right. That's a great question. And the answer is it really depends on your application. Mm-hmm. So 
As for Windows Forms and WPF, we brought majority of the functionality to .NET Core, so it's a functional parity. But if your app is using some other functionality, like uh, ClickOnce or WCF, that is not supported in Core, then you will have problems porting it right away. But you still can work around, you can... Uh, drop the usage of old APIs and find some APIs in .NET Core that provide similar functionality, and then you can port to Core. And there is a way how you can evaluate if your application is compatible with .NET Core before making any changes, right? Before going into uh, major refactoring. Uh, it's Portability Analyzer. And, oh, that's nice. Yeah. So that way I can just take my code base, kind of point the analyzer at it, and it'll say you know, here's the issues. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then you can decide, yeah, if you want to, if you just want to rip out that code or, you know, what right. you want to do with it. Right. So you can look at that and maybe see like, hey, I don't think this is going to be too bad. You look at the results. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to rewrite 60% of my code. Yes. Yeah, it might not <laughs> be worth investment. I don't, I don't think the business people are going to go for that. They're not going to go for that. <laughs> but you know, if it's like a few things like, oh, you know, there's a good chunk of code here, but that's on a feature that nobody uses. That might be a great time to, you know, refresh or remove yeah. that feature set and then move forward. Totally. And it also, depends on a case-by-case -case basis too like we're, we're not telling the entire world to port every single application to .NET Core it's mostly for those you, these are still under active development or there's something out of .NET Core that you need um, then it's probably worth the effort if it's just an application that's been running the same for 10 years that you haven't touched in 10 years there's no reason to touch it now True. so what might be a good reason for somebody that you know has an old application and is wondering looking at this and they want to be part of something you know cool and new but need something to like bring to a business sure so there's there's a couple different uh aspects to it um for for one if it is an application that's still under active development and, and is undergoing frequent updates uh .NET core supports a variety of kind of flexible deployment options for the runtime so you can have multiple versions installed side by side on the same machine or you can package everything as a part of your application and deploy it that way um, so you can actually update the app. Mm -hmm. A lot of enterprises struggle with uh, .NET Framework machine-wide dependencies where they can't update their applications because they need to support the lowest common denominator of their customers, which could be .NET 4.5 or whatever. Um, and so that's, that's one. is like, hey, I can finally update my application to take advantage of new language features, new runtime features, things that I've never been able to use. Um, another one is .NET Core is going to be getting much more frequent um, updates and innovation than, than .NET Framework. So just from like a future-proofing standpoint, if you want those uh, runtime fixes and, and performance optimizations over time, .NET Core is the way to go. Um, yeah. As for Windows Forms, we're working on high DPI improvements, and some of them probably would not go to Framework just because we cannot take in Framework architecture. So I just want to back up yeah. a second there. So we're adding high DPI improvements to WinForms. Right. Yes. <laughs> that's just wild. That's just I didn't think that we'd be like, you know, talking about that like in this year. That that's that's really cool. Yeah. And, and and the thing is like, you know, if you go around and talk to people at a conference like this, I mean, it's it's amazing how many developers are using like I don't want to call it ancient, but like, you know, they're they at some point they got stuck, you know, in an older version and they just, they couldn't ride that train and keep moving forward. Right. And it keeps getting, it's, it's gotten harder and harder over time. Okay. So, you know, we talked about like why they would do it. Like the developers just want to, like they yeah. want to be on the new thing. Cause they're, they're here. We're like, that's another one, look yeah. how cool all of this stuff is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, that's great now that we're like, finally like, okay, we have, you know, jets for your train so that we can get <laughs> you like, you know, up to where we're at. Right. And then you can start getting things like high DPI 
which is really amazing. Yes, yes. And many new things. Uh, one of it, XAML Islands, it's also supported in .NET framework, but now wow. your Windows forms can host WPF or UWP controls. Yeah. It, you can use Windows 10 API, so you can enable all the latest features like Ink, Touch, and so on. You can modernize <laughs> your cool. Windows forms application. Yeah, you know, so it's nice being able to get XAML Islands and uh, some of those Win 10 features, but if you have a WinForms app, are you going to then limit uh, what version of Windows that a customer has to be at? So uh, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, so if you use XAML Islands today, you're essentially saying you need to be on the, the May 2019 update of Windows 10. But uh, there, was, there was a talk by, I think, Joe Stegman and uh, someone else on his team about the future of the Windows presentation platform. Um, and this is a common theme about everything that we've done with Windows 10 and UWP. Um, we've heard the community and we're trying to decouple many of the capabilities that have previously only been available on the latest versions of Windows 10 take them out of Windows from being like specifically tied to that version and bring them to lower level versions of Windows 10. Um, so with XAML Islands today, yes, you need to be on the, the latest version of Windows 10. In the future, you can actually go all the way back to, I think, the anniversary update, so like 1607. So, so what that means is then I'll be able to have maybe like I've got a, like a part viewer uh, for my like auto company. Sure. And what I'd be able to do is like bring in the, the 2D and 3D UWP rendering capabilities mm -hmm. And then when when UI 3.0 comes out, I can backport that to you know an Earlier auto parts store that might not have upgraded uh, their Windows 10. Correct. So that's so, awesome. So they'll still need to be on, on Windows 10, but they don't need to be constantly on the latest version of Windows 10 to get that value. And we'll continue updating WinUI. And that makes you know deployment and, and uh, of your app much easier so because much easier. you have less worries that you know because I, I don't know what the statistics are. I'm sure you guys do, but you know. You know, being on the latest two to three builds, being in there is hard to guarantee across a fleet of devices of in, a, in a large yep. area. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So if I if I'm using .NET Core three, can I do file new project and create a new WinForms app then? Yes, you can. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Templates are already available. You can create new Man. Windows forms. My or knowledge WPF. is relevant again. Yeah, back, baby. Get a get the .NET Core 3 Preview 5 SDK, which we released yeah. Monday, as well as Visual Studio 2019 yeah. um, version 16.1 Preview 3, which we also released Monday. Well, that's cool. I mean, because the other thing then is, too, obviously, I mean, as a developer, I could be on the... I can get up on the latest of everything. I can be in the latest Visual Studio, .NET Core. That is uh, that is super cool. And and I, I think I already know the, the answer to this question. Um, so it's kind of a mean question, but like, I assume there's no way to do like, uh, WinForms or WPF on the Mac, right? It's only, correct. it's only, it's only, Windows. Windows okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that would be like a, yeah. that would be the craziest announcement if, if we made that one. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to ask, but it would be very exciting if that was the case. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know you said that it's in preview, but is, do, is there like a timeline that you're looking for yeah. for when it's going to be generally available? So we announced our .NET roadmap. Uh, yes. Today's Tuesday or Wednesday? Wednesday. Today. Yeah. So Monday, <laughs> two, two days ago. Uh, right. With the .NET 5 announcement, we also revealed that .NET Core 3 will be GA this September. Awesome. And then we'll actually follow it up with a long-term support release 3.1 in November. So just a couple months later, uh, probably with some bug fixes and some stabilization so that you can not only adopt this technology, but for an enterprise who doesn't necessarily update their application with each new release, they also get that guaranteed long-term support so i'm not sure if this is something that you can share but you know there are a lot of classic developers out there that um you know always have uh developed in WinForms and wpf do you have kind of like rough numbers that you can share about like what is the size of that of 
demographic of Visual Studio users are using that. Yeah, <laughs> it's over a million. Yeah, and so right now more people are on Windows forms than on WPF, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's like just important to get that rough number out because I think sometimes people like sit there at work and like, who you know, like I, no, forms, but a lot of people, well, some people think yeah. who uses it, but some people think like, I you know, know I'm, I'm out there and I use it and I love it. And am I the only one? No, you're not I'm the like, only one. Oh no. There are plenty of developers. Yeah. I still, I, I still know more about WinForms than WPF. Like I never, when, I mean, we, we sort of forget like back when WPF came out, it wasn't this thing that everybody like immediately like tried to jump on. Like it, it's difficult. It's mm-hmm. you yeah. know, because WinForms was really similar to VB6. Just you drag know, and drop. I, as exactly. I said, I, you probably weren't around back then, but like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, VB6, like everybody was used to that. Then WinForms came out and it's like, oh, this is just like that, but maybe a little bit different. And then WPF came out and we're like, Okay, like this is really difficult. Uh, I don't understand. There were a whole bunch of benefits along with it, but it was just a, it was a lot more work. So I can see why there'd be so many WinForm developers. So you know, a- along with just you know re-platforming uh, like WPF and WinForms or whatever that word is with .NET Core three, are are there additional enhancements to those technologies that are coming out alongside of that as well? So I would say the additional enhancements that we're building are decoupling a lot of those Windows ten capabilities and building tooling to actually make that kind of an easy thing to do. Um, and so um, there's kind of two separate efforts going on, but that all contribute to the Windows developer experience where we're taking the like Windows UI as an example or uh, the WinUI library and bringing it down level. We're building MSIX packaging support for all of these things and we're building tooling around it. We built NuGet packages so you can easily integrate with Windows 10 APIs. Um, and so from that standpoint, you can be building a classic mm-hmm. desktop application with modern Windows functionality and capabilities that really make you more productive. Um, then we're also investing in a lot of the tooling experiences. So uh, we're rebuilding the, the, the WinForms designer and the WPF XAML designer to support .NET Core. Um, and then we're really kind of listening to the community on GitHub. So I think the other big aspect of this is just acknowledging that from a developer standpoint, everything we're doing at Microsoft right now is really grounded in community and built in the open. Yeah, I think I think the one part of that story that I like is making it easy for to mix all the different technologies together in one application yeah. oh, because yeah. I know in the past I've done a lot where I'll do file new console I'll start adding some WinForms APIs I'll pull in a little bit of WPF APIs and being a UWP developer as well I know there's some good stuff from there too but yeah. because of how that was always sandboxed in the past mm-hmm. you yeah. couldn't mix and match those so being able to you know integrate all of the technologies that I want to use I mean yeah. it's Microsoft why can't I use this piece yeah. and that piece right. there? not right. only that but it's it's Windows. Like yeah. there's so much capability in Windows, a Windows developer should be able to use it all. And that's really what we're trying to do. Raygun provides full stack error, crash, and performance monitoring for tech teams. Whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, or you're just concerned you're losing customers to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, Think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com. Get up and running within minutes. Dramatically improve the online experience of your users. Uh, just so I'm, I'm understanding, I think you, did you ask when .NET Core 3 would actually be available? Yeah, they said it was September. 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 Okay, well, that's yes. pretty specific. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I also noticed there was like, um, there was some schedule then for, well, f- when, is .NET, or when is .NET 5 then? So .NET 5 is currently scheduled for November 2020. Okay. And then I noticed there's like a Every roadmap year. for like 
to well, 2023. So it actually extends beyond that. So it's, <laughs> it's, it, I wouldn't even call it a roadmap. I'd almost just call it like a release philosophy. It's it's just every year there's going to be a major release for .NET. Okay. And each even major release is going to be an LTS uh, release, so a long-term support release. So .NET right. 5 will be 2020, November. Yeah. .NET 6 will be 2021, and that'll be LTS, so long-term support. Yeah. And then every other year, you'll get another LTS build, and on the off years, you'll get just another major release. That is awesome. Like, I think that's easy for people to understand. Yeah. And, I think and that's, yeah. again, really this is something grounded in community, too. It's feedback. is like, we don't know when we can adopt this technology because we don't know how long it's going right. to last and when the next one's going to come out and things like that. And now you do forever. So, so what does LTS mean from a developer uh, who's looking for to be able to you know understand how they can use that what does yeah. lts mean to them so lts means you'll get servicing for security anything that that would potentially have an impact where you need to update your application for i believe it's a guaranteed three years um, okay. so so in other words if you're an enterprise and, and you don't want to worry about having to update your applications all the time you you stick to the lts build you target that and then you're fine until the next one comes along so if i build something then it's it's I can guarantee that Microsoft's going to give me a new .NET every year, but if I want to stick on this one, uh, there's three years that you know I, I'm not going to have to make. I'm not going to be abandoned. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so effectively, a good way to think about it is you have LTS, you can target LTS, and then um, the next LTS comes out two years later. You have a full year to migrate to that LTS. Okay. Um, before that, you. Need that's to worry really about good it. to understand that part of the philosophy too. Yes. So people can build that into their dev planning. Correct. Yes, they can build it into their dev planning. And not only that, but thinking about upgrading from, let's take .NET 3.1, which is LTS, to .NET 6, which will be the following LTS. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be a crazy expensive process um, because you can do it on an app-by-app basis. You have like app-local.net support, so you can test each app independently. It's not like .NET Framework world where you update the .NET Framework on the machine and all of a sudden every single application (laughs) broke. It's, okay, let's, let's do this. This one application, get it working. Now we can do the next one, get it working. And with yeah. side-by-side.net core support, that's kind of a, a much more reasonable approach for for my, uh, updating these applications over time. Yeah, it used to be this giant thing where it's just like, <laughs> hey, I need to update .NET on the machine. And, and then you didn't really have like a good rollback strategy either. Yep, so I mean, now yep. you could put like the previous version of your app and the new version Correct. in right. different folders. Yep. And you can say, hey, like sort of beta test the new one. If See you have an works. issue, just like fall back to the, exactly. the other Correct. one. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty that's pretty handy. Yep. Um. In anything else you want? To, well, actually, I wanted to ask about WPF too because I know like people are super passionate about WPF. There's a there's a whole group of people who have like enhancement requests or you know bugs that they want fixed. And I know that's been there's been a little drama like over the past couple of years because <laughs> um, it was like. Uh, people were like, Hey, why are you totally ignoring WPF? And we're like, no, 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 we're going to give it some love. And it seems like we've like recently, like it's gotten a whole bunch of love, you know, it's, it's gotten onto that main train. Like I like to talk about, right. Yeah. So it's along with it, with everything else. Um, so it sounds like we're just really supporting those people and, and they have to be in a much happier place now, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've been hearing a lot yeah. of yeah. things. Once you open source WPF and WinForms and yeah. uh, I know we've been a little silent on WPF repository since we open sourced it in December last year, but that's because we had to do a lot of internal work to be able to start porting our, uh, It's mostly uh, from like a build infrastructure standpoint, yes. like getting a repository that we can actually start shipping code that people can then clone and build right that was the hard part and we don't want to we don't want to just open a bunch of source that no one can do anything with so okay for wind farms it was a little faster we were ready to just 
put uh, everything windows uh, that system that forms mm -hmm. right there and we got a lot of feedback from open source community we got contributors lots of prs we met some of contributors here at build it was very oh, nice cool. to yeah. thank them in person yeah yeah so they could if they have like a bug in the bpf they can actually fix it now or yeah, yeah. Pull yeah. instead of That's being awesome. stressed about it they can just fix yeah. it create pull request and yeah, so those repositories at GitHub are slash .NET slash WPF and slash .NET slash WinForms. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and then there's also the Windows UI libraries available as well. So the Windows 10 uh, native platform controls are available. Um, and there's actually a shortcut for that one. It's a little easier. It's just aka.ms slash WinUI. Okay. Very cool. Um, anything else that, that you've been talking about this week that we didn't ask you about? Sure. So, so again, thinking from like a, what does it mean to build a Windows application now? I think mm -hmm. that has changed. And I think there's yeah. this kind of mind sh mindset shift that's been going on where you're not building a WPF application. You're not building a Windows Forms application. You're building a Windows application. And those are UI frameworks that you can take advantage of in any Windows application. And same yeah. with WinUI, with Windows 10 XAML. And so I think that's going to be an, a kind of an exciting shift in, in the Windows developer mindset is I have all of these platform capabilities available to me. I can pick and choose whatever makes sense for me in my application. Right. So, you know, you know, I think that's something important to pause on because, you know, I came from, uh, for a while, I was really deep in the UWP community, and there was a lot of debate, what is a UWP app? What is a Microsoft Store app? Yeah. And being able to say now that Microsoft has reinvested in all of the technologies to let you do modern things with them all, mm -hmm. I think... You know, the term that you have is probably going to be the one that Microsoft wants to stick. These are just Windows applications. Correct. Yes. So, you know... Even though it's fun to pick, like, I really am a WinForms fan or WPF fan or whatever, being able to say, it doesn't matter anymore yeah. because they're all supported. Like I said before, I love mixing and matching. So yeah. what, what do you call, you know, a console app that you pull in WinForms, WPF, and XAML Islands? It's a Windows app. It's a Windows, Windows app. app. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and if you think about, like, the, the mobile space, too, there's a million ways to build an iOS or an Android application. But there's yeah. still iOS and Android apps. It could be a right. React Native app, a Xamarin app, a Flutter app, a Native app, whatever. It's still just an iOS and an Android app. And same with Windows. There's a million ways to build Windows applications, but at the end of the day, you should have the full power of whatever's available in Windows, no matter how you choose to build your app. Absolutely. Cool. Anything else that you wanted to mention? I can provide a quick update on designers. Sure. Absolutely. So for, I was wondering about that. Yeah. <laughs> right. For WinForms and WPF designers, we have to do a lot of work to re-architect how our designers work because yeah. now they have to run out of Visual Studio process that is still framework, right? So for WPF, we already released a preview version. It's available and we will be adding functionality to that. For WinForms, we are looking uh, at releasing the first preview version around uh, GA of .NET Core 3, and it's it's going to be a very minimal like MVP uh, project, and then we will keep increasing on top of that. But okay. right now, all team is busy with the designer work. It's a lot of work for us, but we are very excited to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Even, it's a good investment. Yeah, definitely. Because you cannot imagine uh, WinForms app without designer, right? right. That's that's <laughs> the beauty of WinForms yeah, app. Yeah, I've, I've looked at like what that looks like behind the, the scenes. The code that's and, generated. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. No, no, I'm not, uh, not, fun I'm no, not writing that. <laughs> no one is going to write that. But even now, you can still use the classical framework designer with your .NET Core app. So don't 
feel like you have to write UI from with code right now. You can. There are a few ways how you can uh, link two projects: one targeting framework, another targets .NET Core. And when you need the designer experience, you just uh, open the okay. framework project, right? Or you can just have two project files: one target version has uh, .NET Core, another target version uh, framework, and reload your project with different project files. So there are ways, hopefully, it would not affect your productivity. You can still use the designer. You just have to be slightly tricky about it right now till we release the, <laughs> the bin forms. So yeah. when you're talking about the designer updates, is that just the one in Visual Studio or does that include Blend as well? So the XAML designer that we produce in Visual Studio is a shared component in Blend. So everything we're doing for the WPF XAML designer is also coming in Blend. So if you're a, a, a Blend fanatic, it comes at the same time then? Yes. Awesome. And I assume that the designer will not be in VS Code then? The designer no. will not be in VS okay. Code. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to ask. I, I'm right. sure that if you wait a little bit, if it's is that going to be open source? Because if it is, you know, somebody's going to turn that into I, Well, an and I was going to say, like, these are the teams that, like, just keep surprising us. So, yeah. like, they'd be like, surprise, this is VS Code now, too. <laughs> So, like, nothing, I'm, I'm getting, like, numb, like, nothing will shock me at this point. There you go. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's good like, or bad. Yeah, you'll be like, you'll be like yep, it, you know, all this stuff works on every platform, and you can do it in VS Code. Like, yeah, it would, it would not surprise me at this point. You guys are doing, I mean, you're just doing amazing work. So. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Um, anything else? Uh, I think that's I think we it. covered I think everything. Pretty excited. Well, I mean, I, not that it's not enough. Like it's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just, I think it's so cool, and I just think it puts it puts us on this path that is what is right for developers. Mm -hmm. And right. I think, I think developers are just, I mean, they're going to, everybody has to be excited about this. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. you, ha you haven't left anybody behind. So everybody has to be excited about this. So yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Okay. So Daniel, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter uh, at PM a T M I C P M at Mike, like PM at Microsoft. Ah, okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, are yeah. you like a DJ? Or no, no. And uh, Olia, where can people find you? Uh, also at Twitter, it's my first and last name together. So Olia Gavrish, O-L-I-A-G-A-V-R-Y-S-H. Okay, perfect. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. We'll have all of that in the show notes along Absolutely. with all the stuff that you guys mentioned, the links you gave. So Perfect. Exactly. So thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about us. .NET and WPF and WinForms. Great stuff. Uh, thank you very much. My pleasure. <laughs>